What are you worth? What are you worth to your family? What are you worth to your friends? To the congregation? What are you worth to God? You might be interested to find out that according to the U.S. Bureau of Chemistry and Soils, our bodies are made up of the following chemical elements. 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1% phosphorus, 0.35% potassium, 0.25% sulfur, 0.15% sodium, 0.15% chlorine, 0.05% magnesium, 0.0004% iron, 0.00004% iodine, and our bodies contain trace quantities of fluorine, silicon, manganese, zinc, copper, aluminum, and arsenic. When you add to that a study done by the Imperial State Institute in Tokyo, Japan, about the value of our skin, we find out that to a metallurgist and somebody worried about our skin, we're worth about $4.50. However, to uh, somebody on the black market, our bodies are worth quite a bit more. Your heart's worth $57,000. A kidney is worth $91,400. A lung is worth $116,400, but that's nothing compared to your antibodies that are worth $7.3 million, your DNA worth $9.7 million, and your bone marrow worth $23 million. All told, to the human body chop shop, you are worth about $45 million. However, that doesn't do us much good because to get that we have to die, and it's illegal anyway. What are you worth? Many of us have heard what we're worth from our families and friends all our lives. Some of us have heard, hey, you're just worth a million bucks. Others of us have heard, you ain't worth a plug nickel. And sadly, whether positive or negative, often that value placed upon us has been based upon how well we measured up to the standard they had for us. And so, whether or not what they said was positive or negative, many of us have, well, a negative view of our worth. I mean, if you're like me, the problem is, well, you know you better than anybody else does, and so you know exactly how you don't really measure up to the standard that they have for you. And so, even if they're saying all these positive things inside, you might be like me, feeling, well, I'm really not worth that much because I really just don't measure up. And what we need to do is get rid of these fantasy measurements regarding our worth and replace it with the real value that we have in God's world. We need to recognize the value that God has placed upon us. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54, which we read this week in our Give Attention to Reading Walk Through the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54 demonstrates the price tag that God placed on our head the price tag that God placed on your head. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54, when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. You are worth a son to God. 
Now, the soldier here didn't understand why Jesus died, but in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, Jesus pointed out to us that His blood was being shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, the Son of God, came to the world and died for you. Because when God looked throughout the history of the world, and He looked and He saw you plodding along in this world, He said, you are worth a son to me. That's the value God places on you. You are worth a son to God. I just want us to think about that for a few moments this morning. Before we get started, would you please bow with me in prayer? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we are humbled as we consider how unworthy we are. And yet, because of your love and your mercy, you looked down upon us and said that we were worth your son. And you gave him up and sent him here to die for us. To be separated from you. To bear our punishment. To carry our sorrows. We thank you so much. We love you, Father. And we thank you for loving us. Help us to show that gratitude by surrendering our lives to You. Recognizing that it's not about measuring up, but simply about expressing how grateful we are because of what You've done for us. Father, we love You and we thank You for loving us. Through Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Just want you to bask in this for a moment. You are worth a son to God. John chapter 3 and verse 16, perhaps the most well-known passage in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Just, just think about that for a moment. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you've read that verse and you think, yes, God loves the world that much. But then when, when you think about the world, you think about the world out there without yourself being a part of it. God loved them so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes would not perish, but, but not me. But that's just not the case. John 3.16 was not about the world without you. John 3.16 is about the world with you in it. God looked at the world and He saw you there. He didn't leave you out. He saw you there. You're a part of it. And He sent His Son. Because you are worth a son to God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, the Scripture says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Jesus and His blood were the redemption price because of our captivity to Satan and to sin. You know, back when Israel was released from Egypt, and God allowed them to escape from the death of the firstborn in that final plague. He set a redemption price on their heads. And in Numbers chapter 3 and verse 45, He said, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. He said, A, a Levite is the redemption price. The problem was there were a few more firstborn sons than there were Levites. And so in verse 47, to deal with those 273 firstborn that didn't have Levites, said, you shall take five shekels per head. You shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary and give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are over. So Moses took the redemption money 
from those who are over and above those redeemed by the Levites. That was the redemption price placed on the firstborn because of their deliverance from Israel. But our redemption price is Jesus and His blood. Your redemption price was Jesus, His death and His blood. Because God looked at you and said, you're worth a son to me. In Israelite history, if an Israelite became poor and sold himself into slavery, one of his family members could redeem him from that slavery. And according to Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 47, it says, If a stranger or a sojourner with you becomes rich, and your brother beside him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you, or to a member of the stranger's clan, then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him, or a close relative from his clan may redeem him, or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. He shall calculate with his buyer from the year when he sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee, and the price of his sale shall vary with the number of years. The time he has with his owner shall be rated as the time of a hired servant. Now, don't you know that if my brother became a slave, and I'm counting out how many years it is till the year of Jubilee, I've got to ask myself, all right, how much is he really worth to me? He might be worth five years of payment, but is he really worth 25 years of payment? How much is my relative worth to me? When God looked at us, He said, here's how much you're worth to me. You're worth a son to God. That's our redemption price. I don't care what anybody else has ever told you about your value. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what you have inside you about how your self-worth. God said, you're worth a son. And Jesus died for you. In our families, we hear all kinds of messages, and that's, that's where the struggle comes in often. Because sometimes in our families, our value is placed on how we measured up, how smart we are, how pretty we are, how cool we are, how successful we are, how well we played baseball, whether we were valedictorian, and it becomes a struggle for us. But the thing that we need to understand is that God didn't look down at us and say, you know what, you're cool enough. I'll send a son for you. He didn't look down at us and say, you're pretty enough. I'll send a son for you. He didn't look down at us and say, you're successful enough. God saw us exactly as we are. And He said to you, you are worth a son. But here's what's amazing. I don't know about you, but I can get my head around the fact that, that I don't have to be skinny to be worth a son to God, and I don't have to be smart to be worth a son to God, and I don't have to be pretty to be worth a son to God. I don't have to be the valedictorian or the star football player. Or, I, I don't have to be any of those things. But what I struggle with is the fact that I know me better than anybody else knows me, and I know what kind of sins I've committed. And you're probably like me. The thing that we need to understand, the thing that you need to understand, is you're worth a son to God even despite your sins. I think this is something we struggle with. We come into the assembly with our brethren and we look around at them and we realize that they were all worth a son to God because look at how good they are. They don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't steal, they don't gossip, they don't slander, they, they, they've never 
hurt anybody. They've never looked at pornography. They've never committed adultery. They don't get drunk. They don't gamble. These are good people. God, they're worth a son to God, but not me. Look in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Paul said in Romans 5 and verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see what that says there? While you were ungodly, God sent His Son for you. You were worth a son to God while you were ungodly. Jesus didn't die for you because you were spiritual enough. God sent His Son and said you were worth a son while you were still weak, the text says. Jesus didn't die for you because you were strong enough. He said you were worth a son to God while you were still a sinner. Jesus didn't die for you because you measured up. God didn't send Jesus and look through the history of the world and say, all right, everybody who makes the grade, makes the cut, measures up, stands out, they're the ones, they're worth a son. He sent Jesus for you and said, you are worth a son. Jesus didn't die for you because you got baptized enough. He didn't die for you because you went to church enough. He didn't die for you because you gave enough money in the collection plate. He didn't die for you because you're clean enough, because you're sober enough, because you're strong enough, because you're righteous enough. He died for you because He loves you. And He looked at you and said, you are worth a son. But that's not all. Look at the people that are sitting around you. To your right, to your left. The folks in front of you, behind you. Just, just look around for a second. Your neighbor is worth a son to God. I want you to think about the best person you know about the person who is just spiritually minded, who just gets it all right, who seems to have it all in place, everything they're doing, it's just, it's just we've well, got the Midas touch. Jesus died for them. But now I want you to think about the most despicable person you can imagine. The vilest offender, as the song says. The worst sinner you can possibly imagine. I, I don't know what sins you might include in that, Maybe it's because they're a liar. Maybe it's because they're an adulterer. Maybe it's because they're homosexual. Maybe it's because they uh, they are a pedophile, a child molester, a rapist, a serial killer. I don't know what you might place in that. But I want you to think of that person. Jesus died for them. God looked at them and said they were worth a son to him. Think about your best friend. Now think about your worst enemy. Think about the person who's done the most to help you. 
Now think about the one who's done the most to hinder you. Think about the person who has wounded you. Stepped on you. You took a risk. You made yourself vulnerable with them and they stomped all over you. Might be a spouse. Might be a parent. Might be a child. Might be a friend, a co-worker. Maybe a member of the church. Jesus died for them. Jesus looked at them and said, they're worth a son. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But notice this passage. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In this list are some pretty heinous sins by our judgment. And folks who remain in those sins will not be saved by Jesus. I understand that. And yet here were folks who had committed all of these sins, and they were. They were washed. They were justified by Jesus Christ. Because God doesn't look at us and say, well, you're too bad. I'm not sending my son for you. God's not looking at our friends and neighbors and family members and saying, they're too bad. I didn't send my son for them. He sent his son for them as much as he did for us in all our sins. That's why we need to ask ourselves the questions about our neighbors, our friends, our family members, those, those people. What are they worth to us? They were worth the son to God. Are they worth us giving up our bitterness and our resentment? Are they worth us giving up the hurt over past wrongs? Are they worth us going to talk to them about Jesus? Are they worth forgiving their sins? As we want God to forgive us our sins? Are they worth patience and long-suffering? They're worth a son to God. What are they worth to us? And finally, what are you worth to you? Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? When Jesus looked at your soul, when God looked at your soul in your eternity, He said, you're worth a son to me. So the question is, what are you worth to you? Is your soul's eternity worth you moments of sin and pleasure? Is it, even, is it worth a life of sin? What's it worth?
I'd like to turn on its head the concept that we often have of submitting to God and what it means. Often for us, and I know for me, when I talk about being obedient to God and submitting to God, the idea that I've often had is it's time for us to start trying to measure up. Perhaps you learned that from your parents or from school, that that the only way for you to be worth anything was that you measured up to their standard. You had to make the grade. You had to make the cut. You had to be the valedictorian. You had to be the best. And so we have this idea that that the idea of obedience is I'm now trying to measure up to God's standard so that I can go to heaven. Brandon, it doesn't work that way. You just need to understand right now that we've already botched that. You can't measure up. You can't go to church enough to go to heaven. You can't read your Bible enough to go to heaven. You can't pray enough to go to heaven. If we, gotta go, if we go to heaven, it's not going to be because of how good we are. It's going to be because of how good God is. Our obedience to God is not about measuring up. It's about surrender. It's about recognizing that God said, you are worth a son to me. It's about God saying that He wants you in heaven so bad, He sacrificed His Son for you. And now the question is, how bad do you want heaven? Will you sacrifice yourself for God? Will you surrender your will to Him? Because here's the thing you need to understand. God is not a capricious ruler who just and his limb made up rules just to see whether or not you could keep them. In Hebrews 10.25, when he says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, that wasn't because God was trying to put a cramp on your, on your time to see if you would measure up to his time standards about going to church. He said that because if we want to go to heaven, if we want to do the things and pursue the righteousness and be set free from sin, we've got to spend time with one another. We've got to worship God with one another. We've got to edify one another. He didn't do that to make it hard for us to go to heaven. He said that because that's what makes it easier for us to go to heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, when Paul wrote, pray without ceasing, it wasn't because he was trying to set up a rule to see how well you'd measure up in your daily prayer time. It's because God recognizes that if you want to be free from your sins, if you want to be set free from the captivity that Satan has us in because we've submitted to sin, it's going to take prayer. We're not going to make it if we're not connecting to God. He didn't say that to make it harder for us to go to heaven to see if we'd measure up. He said that because that's what it's going to take to get to heaven. In Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, when he said to give up your bitterness and your resentment and your malice and your clamor and your slander, rather be tender-hearted and kind to one another, forgiving one another, it wasn't because he just wanted to see some rule about whether you'd measure up to it. It's because he understood that if you're hanging on to resentment and bitterness and malice, that's going to trap your heart and mind in a sinful cycle that will not allow you to be set free from Satan. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what are you worth to you? Jesus said you were worth His Son to Him. Is your eternity worth your life to you? 
so many of us sit back and think, I'm just not really worthy. Why even bother? But God said, you're worth a son to him. What are you worth to you? You see, instead of seeing our submission to God as a series of trying to obey His rules so that we can measure up and hopefully get into heaven, we need to see it as the surrender of our will to His because we know His way is best and it's the way that will provide us with freedom. That's the way that will get us out of our captivity with Satan. That's the way that will get us out of our sins. That's the way that will help us pursue righteousness that we're so desperately wanting and needing. What are you worth to you?